Welcome to the Business Design Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I am Randy Baker. And we search far and wide to find interesting guests for this podcast. And today we're talking with Andrew Calderella. Yeah, nice Italian name. He tells us kind of later on a little bit around his upbringing. Kind of interesting, you know, talking about uh, Detroit in the um, the civil rights era uh, when his folks moved there. And the discussion was really wide ranging. But what I found most profound was that Andrew kind of has a he has a whole pretty neat description around his book and a way of really describing what's in the book and the the seven steps and, and all the stuff. And as we were talking, we saw that sort of fade away and the real Andrew kind of step out from behind behind those talking points and that was neat and personally Kent the real Andrew I liked a great deal so I think it'll be interesting for our listeners and I would love our listeners to comment on this one to tell us whether they were able to perceive the the movement from structured answers through to the unstructured the real type of interview and that's one of the things I love about what we do here we actually find out what people are really and truly like one of the other fun things that, that you'll hear right at the beginning is we interview people with the video camera on so we can see them, but we're recording audio. And um, it was also really neat to see sort of a, a green screen with a fake background behind Andrew and then see that removed. And actually, sometimes when you remove that sort of, it's not fake, it's a real background, but the when you, when you put a different background behind you than what is actually the green felt in your room, it, it makes you look worse because with green felt behind him, he looked like the guy from Mad Men. Yeah. So anyway, you know, we, we really recommend that you listen to this podcast, you listen to this interview, take note of particularly the second half and uh, enjoy it. All right. Well, nice to see you, Andrew. I have to say, I kind of like the green background there. I have to, I have to <laughs> describe it to the listeners here because they're they're tuning in on with just their ears. But uh, picture, you know, a, a good-looking fellow with a, you know, kind of a dark green forest background behind him. I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, I use that for uh, different types of shows since I just have a small room and I have a white, you know, wall. So I put a some felt green screen on there and I use it for different shows. I use OBS software when I'm on platforms like this, but it doesn't always work so well. It takes a lot of bandwidth, it seems. Neat. So to, d- to kind of dive in um, to sort of, I guess, launch into the green felt of <laughs> your world. Sure. Uh, I love that. I love, uh, I have such a visual uh, feeling of green felt, uh, fond feelings from, from childhood. So tell us what your kind of end goal of the work you've been doing is kind of start where start with the most difficult question what's what's your end goal you know when they put you in the sort of i guess it's not green felt but when they put you in the ground uh what what do you want to have done well gosh that's a huge question we could probably spend 15 minutes talking about that alone i've been on a mission since i was a kid and a lot of the work that i've been doing a has been to support myself and uh, my family and everything, but it's really to try to answer some of the largest questions that humanity has. And I've had a lot of traumatic experiences, a lot of spiritual experiences. I've done over 30 years with the research into this, and I had a big breakthrough in 2015 where I discovered the seven steps of the way and was able to put all this research and knowledge into uh, format the book. And I'm just starting out to kind of show the uh, the message out there in the world. 
But again, this is just the very cornerstone starting point. So for me, really it's about helping to create positive change in the world and helping people live their best lives. And what I found is we all really want and need the same things. And if we're on the same page, I believe we can do this. So I guess my end goal would be, I don't even know. I mean, that's such a big question. I almost feel like uh, if I truthfully answer it, people think I'm crazy. But it's about saving the world. I mean, uh, everybody says, oh, that's you know, pie in the sky. But I think nowadays we all are looking at it like, yeah, I don't think that that's such a unbelievable, unattainable goal. And I believe we have all the resources and all the people are awake now. This is the only time in human history that we can really make global changes to really make, these, uh, make the world into what we want it to be. So I guess the end goal would be to help create a much better world and to put humanity on a, a sustainable path and a future that, uh, you know, is much different than our past. Does that make sense? So, Andrew, I'm going to jump in a little bit. I'm a little bit intrigued. The seventh foundation, seven steps, the way, it all sounds very spiritual, very almost cerebral in it sounds like you found this secret. It's like the secret. I'd like to know a little bit more about it in, in more, um, more tangible terms, if we can. Sure, sure. It's funny you mentioned the secret. I was in a meeting and people were comparing my book. They're in my life. They're like, your, your life's like the Rocky story, uh, Think and Grow Rich, and the secret. And I was like, ah, I don't really like the secret. It's more like the Celestine prophecy <laughs> because it's more spiritual journey. The secret to me was kind of a, a more of a marketing because it's only about two things, how to make a, a proper affirmation as well as how to uh, be open for abundance. So as far as the way, how do I explain this? We're on a, such a short timeline. Let me see. One of the basic formats of the way where we started is what is the true goal of life? And a lot of people get caught up in wealth and fame and power as uh, the true goal of life. And what I found is that's not really what we all want. What we really want is what I state in the book is what a loving mother wants for her child, and that's to be happy and healthy, to have a, a worthwhile life to where maybe you're passionate about something worthwhile that you can earn a living from. You have great relationships and all the other pieces that make up a great and wonderful life. Certainly wealth, power, and fame can be part of your life, but that's not the goal of life. And often those are big challenges that can ultimately corrupt you if you're not handling them correctly. So then from there, once we understand the goal of life is really to become the best person you can be, the question becomes, how do you do it, right? And that's like the age-old question. So I could go into story and kind of set up the, what the meaning of life is. I don't know if we have time for that. It'll take a couple of minutes. But the way is what I say is living rational, positive action. And I say that this is humanity's way. This is how all of us become the best people we can be. And we need, if you need a solution, if you're looking for a solution, it needs to have these four characteristics. The characteristics are that it needs to be something that you live. It can't be something that you do once in a while. It needs to be part of who you are. Uh, so it's living rational. It's rational because it needs to be reasonable, logical. It needs to be something that you can customize to fit your life at any moment, and so can everybody else. So it's living rational positive because it's about integrating virtue into your life and just to be clear, a virtue is what humanity holds as the highest traits that we desire. So it doesn't matter what the trait is, whether it's being healthy or happy or disciplined or whatever it may be, those traits are what we're after. So it's living rational, positive action because you have to turn these virtues into action somehow. And a lot of uh, virtues have multiple uh, ways to do it. To think about the 
the virtue of being punctual requires you to take actions like setting reminders and leaving on time. The virtue of being healthy requires you to have a good eating plan, exercise plan, sleeping plan, and so forth. So, so let me just finish so one, one, this, one, more, one more point. Well, hold is, on a second. So all of this is really exciting. Yeah. But you lost me. So you could oh. keep talking and tell me okay, the next thing, but you. I got lost. So if, if we were to kind of go back a little bit. Sure. Um, I think the way is interesting. The idea of way, the idea of seven steps. But I work with speaker, trainer, coach, author, facilitator folks. And I've heard most of the words coming out of your mouth before. So not to, I don't usually, you know, sure. I don't usually hold folks' feet to the fire, but That's what fine. makes your approach different? Well, you've heard most of these words, but again, you don't know the whole book. And I'm trying to explain it very quickly, so I apologize for that. Right. So I'd have to read the 472 pages? No. Well, I, I was trying to explain that it's about also integrating best practices into your life. So then the, the question becomes, how do you do it, right? So then it's integrating the, the seven steps, uh, and that's how everybody can become the best person they can be. What I found is a lot of these programs that you've looked at and I've looked at, and again, the similarity, let me just address that point first. Uh, the similarity between things that I say, there are universal truths out there that we all speak. It's not like everything in this book is absolutely new and I found it and nobody else knows it. The problem is that we all have pieces, and if we don't put all the pieces together, we don't have a holistic program. Right. So what I have found is that it's like your life. If any one of the major pieces of your life, the foundations are not performing well or not doing well, it can ruin you, whether it be your relationship, your health, sure. uh, whatever it may be. I agree with all of that, and I think it's fairly sure. sort of run-of-the-mill life coaching stuff. So what I'm really interested in is what makes you different. Sure. So if I say, like, was it your upbringing? Was it these things that happened to you that were dramatic and, and crazy? What, what makes you somebody that I would believe? Sure. Well, I guess then telling my, uh, my origin story a little bit might help there. Uh, yeah, to get absolutely. To uh, know me a little bit. I was born in Detroit, Michigan, in 1966 to parents that were fighting for the civil rights movement. I was born with dyslexia, learning disabilities, and a lazy eye. The lazy eye meant I was seeing 2200 vision out of that eye, so they put a patch over my good eye to make me look out of my bad eye. You know, if you can imagine a kid walking around with learning disabilities, can't see well, I was bullied a lot. Uh, pretty much relentless. So even teachers going as far as mocking me in front of the whole class and telling me I should just and that's, quit. That's really intense, and, yeah. and I want to go deeper in that. But I think you went quickly over the fact that your folks were fighting for civil rights. So to, to kind of even go back a second before that, sure. I'd love to hear more about your childhood. But the, the parents fighting for civil rights, What's uh, what was the context of that? Sure, 1960s uh, in Detroit. I don't know if you know the history there, but there was a lot of riots, a lot of people... Um, being oppressed, my, my family uh, moved into Detroit. I'm not sure actually what year. I was born in 1966. I'm not sure how long they had lived there. And we lived in the zone. Like our, we lived in a, what people would consider the black area of town. Our friends were black. We lived on a, a couple other neighbors in our, on our street were mixed, I believe. But it was mainly... And users or listeners can't see you. Oh. So you are... Yeah. I am mainly uh, Italian and... Uh, English, you know, Northern European. So people say I'm white. I don't know if you also know the history of, of race, but a lot of uh, Italians weren't considered white <laughs> until like 1920s or whatever. And that's a huge story in itself. My grandfather coming over here being the first engineer of uh, New York to, to be an Italian to hold the, the highest post in that, in that state. But to go back to uh, Detroit, so my family was running food in and out of the quarantine zone because they wouldn't uh, let people leave, but because my mom was white, she could go back in and out, and she was bringing 
you know, <laughs> they were just out of everything, like just food for kids, a little baby food and diapers and all sorts of things. And Detroit um, was right in the middle of that, I know. Yeah. So what did they, what did your folks do for a living when you were that young? Uh, my dad, I believe, worked for Xerox Learning Systems at that point, uh, and he was a manager. So he, was a, he did a lot of different jobs. He's a kind of a master salesman, uh, speaker, trainer guy. Uh, he had a lot of different jobs. My mother at that point, I think, was just a, a mom. She worked with Father Cunningham and the uh, Focus Hope Movement in Detroit. That was one of the main organizations that were trying to bridge that gap between black and white. And there were a lot of marches and, you know, did a lot of work trying to help people understand equality. You had two parents who were seers in a way. I mean, they're, they see the people around them. They, it's, not, it's the opposite of like colorblind. No, they, they were in the middle of it. They saw those, those folks around them. So what did your parents do to support you as you were getting bullied and as you had this difference? Well, honestly, if it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't have made it through. The school system didn't really help me much. <laughs> I was failing out uh, of elementary school. I did end up graduating from elementary school. Uh, went on to high school, got on to college, got degrees in speech communications, theology and philosophy, did a lot of sports and whatnot. I think the, the biggest struggle I had when I was in elementary school just had to do with that, if you're bullied all the time and everybody's calling you stupid and how you feel like you can't learn anything, you can't see very well, it creates a, uh, a barrier between you and the world and you just sometimes want to disappear. I mean, I was almost drowned by these kids. I, uh, you know, thrown in trash cans, stripped down naked, you name it. I mean, it was just kind of a horrible experience. And that world kind of focuses you inward to some degree. Plus, I couldn't see well. And so it's like, I think my internal imagination uh, grew because of that. And I also had a lot of spiritual experiences very close to God. And that helped me to see that there was something more in life. That makes sense. So that's really interesting, Andrew. Um, and I also read in your bio that at 13 years of age, you discovered that healthy food was better than junk food. So you stopped eating junk food, big step. So clearly you've been in front of the curve in many ways in your thinking. How has that translated to the business you have now? You've written the book. Um, you're a coach, speaker. How, how is your business growing and how is it scaling with all of that background knowledge and how does that inform your next step? Sure. Well, I also want to address uh, a little bit more about, you know, the skepticism of what I'm doing and the similarity. I know that there is similarity between myself and others, but there is a difference. And I think it's the difference is putting all the, the, the small pieces together with the big pieces so you create a holistic program for people. I know people say that a lot, but it doesn't mean it's all true. As some of us obviously share the goal of helping humanity and, and this world, and I feel it's through unity that we're going to do that. We can't have everybody separated, fighting their own battles if we're ever going to succeed. Right, so the, so the being bullied as a kid, which, which scars you, I, I, I went through a lot of, of that myself, uh, it changes your view of the world, particularly with a compassionate set of parents and understanding that there is a compassionate world and there are supportive people. So it gives gives you that separation between what is good and what is bad. So, kind of before we move on, I'm I'm curious to dwell in there for a second, which is sure you talk about helping folks, changing the world, all of that. Who are you trying to help? Are you trying to help people who have been bullied, feel bullied, under under 
you know, they're, they're stressed, they're exhausted. Who are you trying to lift up? Well, I'm trying to lift all of us up. You know, if you look at some of the videos I've done, if you, if you read the book, there's, it covers all of life. So if you're looking to help, obviously I want to help the bullies. I'm doing videos on that. Uh, the third book of the series ha is, about, is the Child and Family Guide. And within that book, it covers a lot of ways we can help raise our kids, integrating key virtues and best practices so they don't have to relearn a lot of this stuff. I think the biggest challenge for humanity right now is to figure out how we can make these great changes. And what I have found throughout of all of these experiences is that it's when we unite, we have the most power. And sometimes it's the complexities of life and the fringes we're fighting about, whereas if we just go down to the center, we can really solve a lot of these problems. And I'm not trying to be glib with that. We're trying to help all of humanity kind of change this world and become the best people can, they can be. So to do that, you as a human have some pieces certainly, uh, but you're missing other ones. So the question is, if you could put all of those pieces together in your life and so can everybody else, and we can unite in the right way to make the, the great changes happen in the world, that seems to be what I'm after doing. And that's, what's, that's what I've been shown through all of my work and my childhood on how that works. Now, just go back to some of the other questions I was asked. As far as the, the bullies, I do want to help the whole situation with bullying. You've got to realize, one, the kids that are being bullied need to be really told that it's not their problem, it's not their fault. They need to learn how to deal with it, but a lot of times the kids that are being bullied feel like there's something wrong with them. These kids with disabilities and other issues really don't need more trauma placed upon their lives. They really have enough. So what we have to do is correct the bullies, and we're not really doing that well. These kids need help. Just give you a quick, really quick story. I grew, it's always the older and bigger kids that, that uh, bully you, right? Or they do it in groups. When I became in sixth grade, I was as big as the bullies. I'm 6'1", um, I'm, I'm an athlete, I'm, I'm pretty physical. I had two fights and the bullying stopped. And the second fight, I, I couldn't even believe it. It's like all the bullies literally paraded me around the, the playground like I was some type of hero. And I got to know these kids as I grew from there, and they had horrible home lives. You know what I mean? It's like they were bullies because they weren't getting what they needed at home. And just sending a kid home or admonishing him is not the way to do it. What I have found is if you put the bully up in front of the person, in front of the class, and ask them to apologize and teach them that one of the keys to raising kids is to make them think, about what it would be like to be the other kid. This idea of treating others as you would want to be treated has got to be ingrained within their thinking. And if the bully is taught that, look, what you did was wrong, you wouldn't want this done to you, you're going to apologize, you know, we're going to have this meeting in front of the whole school or whoever you did this in front of so that the, all the kids can learn and all the kids around them, right? Well, I remember being bullied a lot and it was What's so heartbreaking is so many of the other kids that were your friends, they just never said anything or they snickered and laughed or or just turned away. And it's also teaching all of those kids how to st help stand up to the bully, you know, or to encourage the kid. Like when I was mocked being reading, instead of laughing at me, why not this teacher stop everybody and say, hey, this kid's got a little bit of a problem reading. Let's, you wouldn't want to be mocked and laughed at when you're trying right now. How about we give them a little encouragement? You know, just one of those kids saying, hey, Andrew, you can do it. <laughs> you know, that would have made a big difference to me as a kid instead of just, just being laughed at and mocked. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. So, so if, if we look at kind of your world and kind of how you're, you know, you've published this book the way, and you've got an approach, where's the, the money coming from for you within the business? Is it the speaking part? Is money not the object? I mean, are you doing a day job? What's the, how are you supporting this? Sure. Well, I've had uh, 
corporation since ni- or 1999, Consulting is Incorporated. I've done strategic consulting with that. I bought into and own now a drug testing business, uh, Drug Testing Ace. That businesses have been supporting me all these years, and they were certainly crushed by COVID. The drug testing really went from really doing well to nothing. I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you how, how horrible that has been. It's starting to come back, but it's really, really slow. I am after making money through do- donations, sponsorships, selling books. I have other programs that I'm developing. The goal here, really, again, if, if you know me, I'm not a writer guy, okay? When I say I have dyslexia, it's like literally when you write, Everything comes out crazy. It's backwards. It's mixed up. It's uh, everything's misspelled. So this was like deciphering code. The only reason I'm I did this, and I lost relationships. I spent years of my life, weekends, not going out trying to figure this stuff out, is because it's been part of this mission. And I get the skepticism. Everybody's got oh, there's a million answers out there. Everybody's got this says similar words, but this isn't like that. This is totally different. So I'll dive in and then pass to Randy, but. I'll kind of say a word. So now I now I feel the real you creeping in. It was interesting that it came through came through the kind of question of what has supported you over these years and the the fact that it's strained your relationships to build out this vision and everything else. So what I think is most powerful is that. So for me that's the starting point and the starting point shouldn't be I think you have the reason <laughs> I, I apologize somewhat for coming in because I think you have sort of a PR pitch. And I always sense when there's a PR pitch and when you kind of have, this is the stuff that I always say, but now I'm getting to the real Andrew. And it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable person with some really interesting ideas. I, I appreciate that. I, I get a little nervous, you know, when you go on shows and you do prepare, you, you certainly have, have things that you've said before. You know, I'm still getting used to this. So I, I appreciate your feedback. I'm trying to be as real as possible. Cool. So I'm going to give you a chance to get really real right now. In the last couple of weeks, we've seen a couple of gazillionaires fly to space. That has created a great deal of furor in the social media world and in the left versus right world and in the angry versus not angry world. And I'm I'm interested to understand where money fits into the seven steps and I'm interested to understand your relationship with money and what that looks like going forward. Sure. Well, within the way there, like I said, there's seven steps. So in step six, unify, there's two parts to it. The first is to make yourself the best person you can be to sort of put your best foot forward in the world. But then the second part is how we deal with money and power and government and all these other major forces in the world. These are very, very important concepts. I actually just did a video on trying to explain the difference between capitalism and socialism and democracy and all of these things because people use them up or misuse them a lot. That's on on my website on YouTube and everything. I also did a video on why we're not divided. So as as far as what I've found in all of human history, it seems like the biggest difference between, there's two different types of leaders, I guess what I want to say is that there's the leader who's trying to crush people under them and everything else, and then there's the leaders that are really trying to help everybody. There's also these leaders that are just lost, right? So, yes, I think it's awesome we go to space. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do that. I'm going to do a video on that. But at the same time, there's a lot of great problems on this planet. And I think that w- what we need is to have our geniuses and a lot of our money focused on fixing a lot of these problems. And there can be money in it, but not everything has to be for money. You know, figuring out the water pollution, 
you know, and the inequality issues and all the rest, education, I think, are more valuable to humanity right now than, than going to Mars and all the rest of it. And I don't, think, I don't think the way to handle these things is through anger and pointing your finger at everybody. It's to help show them the way to make this a better world. You know, if you throw mud and, and shade on everybody, uh, they're just going to turn away and hate. If you help them see the light, they might be able to change. You know, I appreciate you being in the hot seat with us. Uh, it's been really fun talking to you. What, where can people find you online? Sure. Uh, the hub for everything is 7WAYME. That's the number 7, W-A-Y dot M-E. And, you know, you can find me pretty much everywhere. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and you know, YouTube and everywhere, but the hub for everything is the website and join us there. You can, I'm starting a one movement, a new party. We're doing a whole bunch of stuff. And again, this is just the very beginning and I appreciate your skepticism. I, I really would like to be able to show you the way that this would be different. Cool. Well, thank you for that, Andrew. It's always a pleasure to have folks like yourself that challenge our thinking on the show. And thank you. I appreciate that. Nice to talk with you. Thank you, Andrew. That was really fantastic. I I had forgotten I was 10 years old-ish when you were born. And I know that in Detroit there were riots in 66, 67. And I can remember being in Australia, I can actually remember hearing about those, but I had forgotten it. So you were born into a turbulent era. And I think it's interesting how that has informed the progression of your life. And fascinating story. I also really appreciate that you hung with us with all the, the questioning. I, I, I put your feet to the fire a little bit, and it was really, you know, moving to hear you talk about kind of coming through the, the bullying when you were a kid. And, and I, you know, as someone who's experienced that, it's, it's a really scarring thing for a kid. And, and what you've done is not just um, kind of come through it, but, you know, built businesses and you, you've got goodwill to spare. So... Really appreciate you talking with us today. Speaking about building businesses, if you would like to understand how to use your reputation and your strategy to build your business, why not go to our website, thoughtpartnergroup.com, fill out the little assessment that you'll find. There's a little button on the right-hand side of the page. Click on that, fill it out. We'll take you about a minute. We'll take about a minute and uh, send back some responses. And for those of you who listen to our interviews on 2x speed, I just slowed it down a little bit there for you so, so you would kind of pay attention, but uh, we'll do our best to speak at normal speed the next time when you tune in um, because you've clicked on the subscribe button really quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's what a good idea. Let's get all of our listeners to click on the subscribe button. Do it right now. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.